Well, good morning. Welcome to Centerpoint Church. My name is Aaron, uh, Aaron DeMaster. I'm the pastor here. Uh, you're in for a one-hour service with a mission to help you take the next step in your relationship with God. Our goal here is to do what any good Christian church should do, which is help you connect with God in a worshipful way and then help you grow in your relationship with Him. Our style, it just might be a little different than you're used to or different than other churches in the area, but we're still true to the Bible and we take God very seriously here. As we get started, i got to ask you the question. Have you ever rolled up to your garage and it looks like this, like stuff everywhere, or your schedule, it maybe looks like this, like it's just slam-packed, or your kitchen looks like this, like just messy, or maybe this one, like it's just stuff everywhere. That's totally me. Uh, I feel like that's been me especially. So th lately, some are actually my photos. I'd prefer not to share which ones. Uh, but my life, it's been more messy and full and disorganized and without direction in some areas even. But even more so with stuff, to be specific, I feel like, I, and I'm guessing maybe you do too, in the last year or so, We've allowed our priorities, our schedules, our relationships, and even our plans for the future get a little messy, right? Get a little, like, full in some capacity. And it's time for a deep clean. And as someone who's a follower of Jesus, or one maybe who's just open to hearing about God here, uh, there are some tips God has given us on how to cleanse some of these things. Scripture, it says this in Psalm 23.3. It says this. It says, He restores my soul. He leads me in path of righteousness for his name's sake. Restoring and leading on a path to an alignment to what God wants and to have our lives be more purposeful and clear, that is what we're going to cover in this series. We're going to do a deep clean of our lives over this next month. Like, you know the time of kind of cleaning, like when, let's say, your parent or your spouse, they start cleaning and they throw out some of your stuff, and you didn't really even notice until they told you. They're like, hey, by the way, I threw that away. And you're like, what? I love that thing. And then a day later, you totally forget about it being thrown out. Yeah, that's the type of cleaning we're going to do this month. Or the kind that you maybe like, you finally have room to add that one thing into your schedule that you know you need or want. Or the kind that you just feel free because you now have opportunities for growth. That's the deep clean we're addressing. Deep cleaning, it's not easy. And the stuff we cover won't be easy either. But it will make your life more open and aligned with God. Now before we dive into this week's topic, i got to ask you the question. What is your life busy with right now or full of? What specifically is time-consuming for you? What is cluttering your life right now? What have you been doing a lot of lately? And whatever comes to mind doesn't mean that it's like necessarily a bad thing or has to be bad, but what is it that's consuming your time? Now, as you have that thing in your head, I want you to ask, is that one of your priorities? Is that one of your priorities in life? Is that something that is just keeping you busy or is it something that is a priority to you? Something that fills your time. Is that a priority? Because this week we're talking about deep cleaning our priorities. Which this obviously speaks more or asks more questions, right? Like what are your priorities even? What, are, what should priorities be? Like what is most important to you? What's something that you want to make sure happens for you? What's meaningful in your life? And based off a, a number of surveys, there, there are a bunch of different things people would say is meaningful to them. Here's a bunch that are just very classic ones. Time with immediate family, extended family, faith, work, money, success. 
fun, kids' success, living longer, health, friendships, preservation of nature, giving back. What's it for you? What's it for you? None of these are wrong, and, and most of us would say all these are fairly important, right? But what's your priority, and what's the order? A Pew Research, it's a research company that does a ton of different surveys. They, they did this poll, and it states that the things that people decided brought them meaning or said brought them meaning was, obviously, first off, family is the top one. 69% said family is their first priority that gives them meaning. The next one would be your career. The next one is money and then spiritual, spirituality and faith. Again, what's it for you? Up here we got family, career, money. I mean, these are all natural things, right? And if you're a Christian person out there, you'd say faith maybe ranks up there pretty high. We'll talk more about, about that in a bit of where it should rank. But for me, I want to say mine are probably like immediate family is probably my top priority. Providing for my family is a, a huge priority. Church is a priority for me. And maybe even time with uh, extended family, that's a priority. And having fun. Having fun in life is a priority for me. But uh, I think it's actually that order too. I, I wrote these out for you. These are, this is my order. Immediate family, providing for my family, extended family time, and having fun. But as I was reflecting on, that, on this this week, or over these past couple weeks, there's a number of times I've realized and I've kind of come to the conclusion or I've gotten an unsolicited like tip given by my spouse on these things that my priorities have drifted. My priorities have drifted from these. Well, now being focused and now having to declare these in front of you of what I want my priorities to be, I've realized my life is cluttered. It's cluttered, and I'm letting other things attack my priorities. For example, I say family time is my top priority. But is it? This week, we, we're kind of back to the family grind, right? I, I work here full time. My wife, she's a full time teacher. We have a, a one year old, and she's back to school. We're back to the daily grind. And we have like a solid two or three hours together each night. That's it. You know, we're at work, and we got two or three hours together with our little girl at night. Well, we get home, you know, you dump the bags, like get your work bag on the table, you put your like lunch box there, and then like you're like kind of making dinner, and then all of a sudden you're pulling stuff out, you're making dinner, and you're, it's like, it's set, and then all of a sudden I, I catch myself like digging through the bags, and I'm like, ah, Sydney, like how long has that Pyrex been in there? Gross. You know, or like, this is, oh, like, do we toss it or wash it? You know, like, and I'm like cleaning through things and we're discussing those things. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, I left that thing out in the car. I got to go grab that real quick. And then all of a sudden, I'm uh, grabbing that thing in the car and, and now we're cleaning up. And I find myself sweeping because my daughter's like throwing stuff on the floor. You know, like, come on, we're, we're eating dinner. Don't throw it on the floor. Oh, no, the dog's going to get it. You know, and I'm sweeping. And then all of a sudden, like, I'm on Facebook for like, oh, notification. You know, I'm checking my phone. And then all of a sudden, like, I'm checking my emails. And then all of a sudden, it's bedtime for Eliza. And I'm doing family time. Yet nothing really happened. It was just family time. It was, it was hijacked by something. My priority was hijacked. Another example of this, of this was with my extended family. Like, we'll all be hanging out. My, my sister, my, my grandparents, we're all, we're all together. My, my parents, we're all, all together. We're all maybe, like, taking a picture together. Like, this is so fun. We're looking at us. We do family stuff together. And, like, we get this picture. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, what else is on my phone? 
And then I'm like, ah, I think I got to go to the bathroom. And then like 20 minutes later, I return, right? Like when you're with your phone, it just takes forever. And then I'm thinking like, well, what do I need to do next? What do I need to do next week? Like, and all of a sudden, my priority of extended family is hijacked. Or even the last one, fun, right? Fun is a priority for me. I, I like to have fun. My, my wife and I, we like to have fun. But I let my mind wander even when I'm having fun. Like, when I get to, like, the most exciting part, I'm thinking, like, of other things. Like, I'm biking down this ginormous hill, and all of a sudden I'll be like, we should try this thing at church. As I'm like, yeah, try this at church. Like, why am I thinking about that? I don't know. Or jet skiing with my wife. We do that once in a while, and I'm trying to whip her off. And then I'll be like, did we turn the stove off at home? You know, like, I've ruined the fun. Like, I'm now thinking about that or stressing about that. Or, or we're having fun at the park with our little girl, and I'll be like, did people share that thing on Facebook? I better check. Like, I hope they, like, they saw it. It's like I have priorities, but I let others compete. It's like I say one thing for my priorities, but my actions prove otherwise. Lots of actions point to my priorities being, being a respondent on my phone or being attentive to my phone, being liked, success cleanliness or appearance of success. Now these are me, and I'm kind of putting myself out there a little bit and sharing some of my flaws, but what about you? What about you? What are things that kind of creep in as priorities or take away from your actual priorities? What distracts you from the things that are most important to you? Do you even know what your priorities are so that you can call out a mess? Where do you need to be more focused and cleansed? Well, luckily, as a Christian person or someone who's looking to God, we have Jesus' example on this. One who knew who his priorities were, and he fulfilled them to the fullest. He had a very linear path of what he wanted to do and what his priorities were, and he didn't let things hijack them. The chunk of scripture we're going to look at today and kind of study, it's in Luke 4, and it starts when Jesus was walking around town. I, I feel like it's kind of like a start of a joke, like, you know, Jesus is walking around town, and then this happens. Well, that's kind of what goes on with Jesus. It's in Luke 4, and what happens is, is Jesus is, is leaving his hometown about to start his ministry. He's doing a ton of different ministry, and he leaves his hometown, and then it says in verse 31, it says, then he went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath, he taught the people. They were amazed at his teaching because his words had authority. So Jesus is teaching. He's spending time teaching. That's, that's something he sees as a priority. He then like heals a man. A couple, a couple verses later, he heals a man. And then he decides, oh, I think I'm going to go hang out at my buddy Simon's house. So he goes to Simon's house. And, and while he's there, just two verses later, now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever. And they asked Jesus to help her. Well, Jesus heals her too. And then in verse 40, it says, At sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness. And laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Jesus heals more people. And then early the next morning, uh, Jesus, he, it says the scripture, is he goes out to an isolated place by himself. And the crowds, that city, is searching for him everywhere. They're like, we got more people for you, Jesus. We got more people that are sick, that need you. Like, and they're like, where is he? We can't find him. And it says he's in an isolated place, and they like finally find him, and they're like, Jesus, we need you here. We got more stuff for you. Don't leave us. We need you here. And then Jesus responds in verse 43. It says, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God in other towns too, because that is why I was sent. So he leaves. He continues to travel around preaching in synagogues throughout Judea, throughout the area. 
And then if you look to the next chapter of Luke 5, what happens is Jesus is in other places, healing, teaching, connecting with others. But then it says vast crowds came to hear him preach and to be healed of their diseases. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. He went away. And this is how Jesus lived his, during his ministry. He taught, he healed people, he built relationships, and then he withdrew and went to an isolated place to connect with God. This is a repeat we see throughout all of Scripture. Jesus does this over and over and over again until he's killed. Jesus stays true to his priority. He says no to things, and he doesn't get distracted. I don't know about you, but I want that in my life, to not get distracted by the things I see as most important. Can you imagine what your life would be like if you could fully stick to only a few priorities or only a few things that you see as essential? It'd be amazing, right? Well, studying this passage, <clears throat> I think there's four things that we can do that to be like Jesus, to have our priorities be more aligned like his, and to be like him. The first one is this, uh, his personal connection to God was of utmost importance. It was of utmost importance. Jesus is quoted in Matthew 6, It says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. All the things that you need will be added to you. And how Jesus reflected on doing that was he withdrew to prayer, to an isolated place. He was withdrawing to seek the kingdom of God, to seek God. Living and seeking God's ways is a priority that supersedes even being on our priority list. It should be for us to just always have be involved in all of our priorities. Seeking what God wants, it's something that's intertwined in all of our priorities. It's what helps you make decisions on what your priorities should even be. And how you figure those decisions out is through time with God, through prayer, through scripture reading, through isolation, through time by yourself. Like, I get it, right? Like, I get that, like, you have things to get done, priorities, right? There's stuff that just has to be done. Like, you got to go to work. You got to pay bills. You got to kind of care for your family. You got to develop relationships with people. You got to just make decisions on fun, extracurricular things. But in order to assess how to prioritize these things in a godly way, you need to seek and spend time with him in prayer and in scripture. And then come to your conclusion on what's important for you. To be blunt, uh, on my own prayer and seeking of things like this, I don't know about you, but like I've realized there are only maybe a handful of utmost priorities for me that, that I feel God has revealed to me. Like for me, like these are me, right? So you got to do you. But like making sure my family has a place to sleep and eat, that's pretty important to me. Uh, having time devoted to my family, that's pretty important to me. Uh, serving in church and being a part of a, a faith community that helps me grow, that's pretty important to me. Not getting arrested because I'm paying my bills on time, that's pretty important too, I think, for my family, right? Like, who am I to say, like, what God would want you to specifically do? That's between you and God. But there's a decision that has to be made of what are your priorities. And a connection to God is how you decide and wrestle with what's best. And that's what is seeking God's kingdom first. Have you done that? Have you personally done that? When it seems like there's 30 different things you could be doing, have you asked God? Have you asked him which one allows you to seek his kingdom best? Which leads to our next thing. 
Jesus actually decides what to say yes to. I got to tell you a little story about my wife. I didn't ask for permission on this one, so I hope I don't get yelled at later. Uh, and normally, I, I, I ask her on these things, but my wife's amazing. She is so awesome. Sydney is amazing. If you know her, you know she's awesome. Uh, and you know I think she's the utmost amazing woman in the world. Uh, but my wife is not really a good decision maker. She's just not. Like, I'll be like, hey, babe, what do you want to do for dinner tonight? salmon, brats, burgers, you know, like I give like some options, and she'd be like, well, what do you want? No, that's not the question. Like, what do you want? Like, I'm asking you, brats, burgers, or salmon, which one? And then like all of a sudden, like the conversation changes, right? She's like really good at like deviating, making the decision. And all of a sudden, like we're waiting, and I hate waiting. I hate waiting. <laughs> but in that, dis in that situation, Something has to get decided, right? Like, we're not going hungry that night. We're going to eat something. Something has to get decided. Well, a lot of times she just doesn't decide. I end up deciding. One day I think I just need to, like, not cook anything. I, I don't know. Uh, but, like, something has to be decided to move forward. It's the same with your life, right? Even if you declare something out, if you don't declare something out loud, like, this is what I'm deciding, not deciding something and letting someone else decide is deciding, right? When you don't decide and let someone else decide for you, that's your decision. In Jesus' situation, Jesus withdrew to connect with God to figure out what was meaningful, and he decides what he's going to do about it. If you back up to chapter 3 even in Luke, again, we looked at Luke 4, Jesus, he literally got out of 40 days in the desert, in the wilderness, being tempted. But he also was, he was with God during that time. It was like, I want to say like a 40-day sabbatical almost, or time away before his ministry really takes off. Now, I'm not advocating for you to like take a 40-day sabbatical to decide what's important to you or priorities. Just pastors need that. Uh, but <laughs> that's a church joke. Uh, <laughs> but Jesus decides and prioritizes he needs alone time with God. We see he declares that. He declares also, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God in other towns too, because that is why I was sent. He declares he needs to preach and share about the kingdom of God. In response to the people asking him to stay, he says, no. He says, I need to do this. This is what I need to do. What about you? What have you declared? What's most important to you? What's necessary of you? What do you want from life? And again, are you seeking God's kingdom first? That should be intertwined with them all, right? For you, maybe, maybe it's friendships. Friendships is a high priority to you. Or having relationships with others. You may, maybe you're seeking God's kingdom to come by honoring God and how you act and care when you're with your friends. But you declare friends are a high priority to you, and you make that happen. That's something you decide. Maybe, maybe it's extended family or family time. Maybe, maybe you just like spend all this time with family, and that's what you decided, but you're making sure that that happens actually. Maybe you're a teen, and doing best in school is important to you, and you're like, you're going to make sure you're going to honor God because he's given you an opportunity to, to be in school, to learn. So what you're going to do is honor him by doing it to the fullest. Maybe that's your priority as a teen. Maybe you're in your family, you, you want to represent God. So you and your family, you're going to represent God as best as you can in everywhere you go. And that's like a priority to you. You're going to make that happen. 
Maybe fun activities. You're going to make sure that you live life to the fullest and find joy and show that life can be joyful. God does bring joy to people uh, and can provide fun for people. As long as it's legal and biblical, right? Again, what is it for you? What are a few things that you have said yes to? Because once you've said yes, you can say no confidently to others, which is the next thing Jesus does, right? Jesus says no to things. He says no to things. Jesus says no to staying back. He's, nope, not doing that. He says no to healing more people at that spot. He says, no, I, I can't be doing more teaching in this city. All those are amazing things, right? They're not bad things. They're, they could be great. But he said no to them. They weren't his priorities. What are the things that keep popping in for you and stealing time from your priorities? Is it events or parties or sports or dinners or meetings or galas or uh, extra relationships, friends or Netflix or whatever it is? What, what is it for you that's stealing from your priorities? For me, it's my phone. It really is my phone. Back then, I think obviously Jesus didn't have a phone, um, but I don't know if I don't know if he would have a phone if he could have a phone, right? Our phones they creep in and they distract. Yes, they have amazing capabilities and purposes. So I'm not advocating for getting rid of it, but did you know we touch our phones on average over 2,500 times a day? That's disgusting. That is so gross, right? Like, because I'm a germ freak, and that's disgusting on that level. But it's also gross too, right? Like, on a different level as well. I've seen people do this with their phones even. Gross, right? Who talks on a phone and puts that next to their face? They're meant for texting. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But honestly, though, <laughs> honestly, though, if COVID lives on a surface... I don't even know these days, like, if it does, but, like, that's where it lives, right? On your phone that's been touched 2,500 times. For real, though. Our phones are asking for our immediate attention all the time. There's even this thing called notifications. You know what I'm talking about? Those things that pop up on your phone. And it's, like, literally giving friends, family, businesses, people, and random requests, a seat next to you all day long, and like right next to you. They get to say whatever they want to you all day long. Anytime, it's right next to you all the time. I, I have a little video for you of like an example of like what Facebook could be like if it was a person next to you in your office. Check it out. Good morning, Mike. You have nine new notifications on your business page wall. <sighs> Wonderful. Ten new notifications on your business page wall. Sheila from Westlake gave you one star review and says, the customer waiting area is dirty. Get your poop emoji together. Facebook has reviews? But what's an emoji? Stevie from Burbank says, I tried to reach them on Saturday and I'm still waiting for the return call. So much for being a longtime customer. Which one is Stevie? Hmm, I'm not sure. The other profile pictures might help. Uh, well, tell Stevie that uh, we're sorry for the inconvenience and that we'll get back to... Um, him or her shortly. Got it. You want me to write that in a comment or a personal message? You do personal messages? Oh, that reminds me. You have 59 plus unread messages. We've been there, right? 
And it's so easy to see these notifications, messages, uh, comments, or whatever as priorities and have them distract us. I'll remind you how Jesus kept his priorities straight was he withdrew. He withdrew to connect with God. Are you withdrawing from your phone at times? Are you withdrawing without your phone? Maybe just 30 minutes or an hour a day. Are you away and more than just the invisible or like do not disturb sign on your phone? Are you actually withdrawn like Jesus does? I'm personally, I'm working on structuring my schedule to both withdraw and to be more God-honoring with my time by putting him at specific times of my day uh, and making sure that I'm not next to my phone all the time. And that's actually going to be another one of our messages in the, the series. So you'll want to come and check that out over these next couple weeks. But as I've been preparing for this series even too is I read this book called Essentialism. And it's by Greg McEwen, and, and what it does is it's, it's a different practice. Like, it's just, it's not a Christian book or anything like that. It's just purely helping to kind of refine your life to be more essential. And anyways, but this book that he believes there's only a few things that matter in life where a lot of things kind of fill time. And he says one comment. He says, if you don't prioritize your life, someone else will. If you don't prioritize your life, your time, what you're doing with it, someone else is going to. Meaning if you don't declare the importance of certain things, something else will. He also states, I can do anything, but I can't do everything. I can do anything, but I can't do everything well at least, right? I know the effects of that. Like honestly, like notifications, requests, people's desires. I've gotten a lot of that over the last year. And I was at a point, like, not too long ago, where I did so much of stuff, of responding, of things, that I felt guilty saying no to people, that instead of doing my half best for them and feeling good about that, I did, you know, like, the opposite, right? I just wasn't doing well. I did poor. I did horrible things. I, didn't, I wasn't able to do that, to do everything, because I tried to do everything, and it wasn't my best. Jesus understood this principle, right? He couldn't do it all. So he said no to things. Which leads to our last point. Jesus lived intentionally, daily, to fulfill his priorities. Again, our story in, in Luke 4, before Jesus like, even started doing healing or teaching or meetings, he was on this 40-day sabbatical, is what I want to see it as. Uh, a priority that he saw as being rested, being away. He then returns to Nazareth, you'll see in, in uh, chapter 3. He returns to Nazareth, or actually chapter 4, his hometown. And they are open to being like, okay, like, you maybe are a prophet. You maybe are someone, like, that's a big deal. Let's learn from you. And so they, like, kind of, like, start talking to him. And all of a sudden, Jesus starts teaching about the things that are really meaningful to him. And they're like, uh-uh, that, that's not correct. And they kick him out. They kick him out of his hometown. It wasn't, for him, his priority wasn't about being liked or, or like, making sure that, like, everyone, like, was, like, on board with what he was talking about. Teaching truth was a priority to him. That was his purposeful living. And then he goes on to build disciples. We see that he, like, has these relationships with people. He was all about relationships. That was a priority. Jesus also stirs the pot more by telling people off, telling they're doing wrong things, telling they're just not living the way that God fully wants. And he's stirring the pot. He, that was a priority of teaching truth. Again, his priority was to preach the good news, not get people to like him. 
not to heal everyone, not to have the best stuff or the best life, not to live for only his desires or happiness. He knew his priority and lived fully intentional of that. Have you done that with your life? Have you done that with your life? Have you been able to declare your priorities and not get pulled away from them? It's hard, right? It is so hard. And I know I've struggled with this. Uh, and as I was thinking about this, there, there's a movie that really came to mind that, that really connects with this. And it's an older movie. It's called The Family Man. Has everyone seen it? It's with Nicolas Cage. Yeah, so here's the movie. Okay, so you might recognize it in a little bit here. If you haven't, it's, it's got a powerful scene that talks a bit about this. And to give you an idea what happens to this man is um, his name's Jack. He's like the successful business owner. Like he's in a fast-paced business. And all of a sudden, he wakes up one morning, and he's living in this, like, alternate reality. Like, where he's with his, his college sweetheart that he left to pursue his business. But in order for him to, like, kind of figure out how to get back to his life, he's, like, trying to live with her, but also get back to the successful business because he's living this alternate reality. And, and he comes to this crossroad where he needs to decide, like, which one do I want? Do I want to go back to this, this successful business that's so amazing and, like, I got everything? Or do I want this family? Do I want this, this life together? And there's a scene where he kind of has to go through what are his priorities. It's about a minute and a half long. We'll talk a little bit about it, and then we'll wrap things up. Check it out. This is going to be a better life for all of us. We could put Annie and Josh into private schools. Annie goes to a great school, Jack. I'm talking about the best schools in the country here, Kate. Jack, what could you possibly be thinking about? What about my, what about my job? Well... This is New York City. It's like the needy people capital of the world. Your Jersey clients aren't a tenth as pathetic as the ones you could find here. <laughs> I, I, I can't even believe you're talking about moving back into the city, Jack. I thought the reason that we left was because we didn't want to raise the kids here. No, no. This is the center of the universe. If I were living in Roman times, I would live in Rome. Where else? And today, America is the Roman Empire. New York is Rome itself. John Lennon. Jack. Listen, okay, okay, you know something? I'm detecting like a funky tension here, and this was supposed to be a happy day. So guess what? I don't need this. We don't have to live here. Forget it. I'll, I'll commute. I'll drive to work. <gasps> In traffic, Jack, it's over an hour each way. That's like three hours every day. When are you ever going to see the kids? Kate, you're not understanding me. I'm talking about a perfect life, a great life. Everything we pictured when we were young, the whole package. You said so yourself. Life has thrown us a few surprises, so we made sacrifices. Well, guess what? Now I can finally get us back on track. Oh. I can do that, Kate. I want to do that. I, I need to do that as a man for all of us. Please just think about this for one second. No more lousy restaurants. No more clipping coupons. No more shoveling snow. I don't know about you, but I can relate to the tension of like letting my priorities shift like that. I mean, I get this clip. It's, it's a bit dramatic, right? And it's a bit, I don't know, it's kind of a bit of a, a chick flick in a sense. But to be a bit vulnerable as a man, and I'm sure many women can relate to this too, but like I go through times where I want success. I want to be known as the provider. I want to have a happy, fast-paced life and have nice things. Sure, I'm not taking like a big business job like in this scene, but in my context, there's drift that can take place. 
working a, working a side job in the evenings to make more money so that we can have more stuff, extra spending, or desiring to pursue maybe another occupation for bigger success, or being in a bigger city, like that's going to feel good, that'll be really good, or looking for a better opportunity, like even if that means driving an hour or two. And sadly, wanting people to like envy you, right? Yet I know those aren't my priorities. I know my priorities, and they are woven in seeking God's kingdom first. If they aren't, or drifting, I need to reflect and go under a heart change to make sure it's aligned with God. I stated early on, immediate family is a top priority for me. Providing for my family, extended family time, having fun in our family time is, is a priority for me. So desires to pursue more work or have greater success or, or work to make more money, it's not showing that. It's not showing that my immediate family is my top priority. It's not showing that, uh, that providing is, is, is my priority because I, I'm able to provide. I, I get time to, to have time with my extended family and I have flexibility for fun. Pursuing something else would not be fulfilling my priorities. Doing something different at this state as an occupation or to make more money or to have greater success or to be more involved or to be more known would detract from my priorities. Where I'm at now, I am reminded and I am intentional about my priorities and fulfilling them. What about you? What about you? Again, we see Jesus did this, right? His connection to God was important. He said yes to specific things. He said no to specific things. And he lived intentionally to fulfill his priorities. Today, we're deep cleaning our priorities, right? What do you need to do next? What do you need to do next? Do you need to maybe seek your priorities? Withdraw to, and have this time with God. Praying, reading scripture, and looking to him for answers. Do you, maybe, do you maybe need to say yes to something? To declare it out loud. Like, this is my priority. This is what I'm, I'm going after. Declare them so that you know them. Declare maybe it's family time over money, or declare it's maybe faith over football, or maybe it's, fa or maybe it's fitness over stuff, or, or relationships over hobby. What is it for you? Declare it. Do you maybe need to say no to certain things? Like you need to maybe leave something because it's just, it's clogging up. It's, it's making a mess. Or do you need to make sure that you are, are living your life intentionally, daily, seeking God's kingdom? To truly deep clean, right, you need to look to your heart to see what your priorities are, to see if they're aligned with God. And if they're not, that's where you need to do that soul searching. That's where you need to do that connection with God. Your heart might not be right. It might not be aligned with God. To align your heart is accepting God and his priorities. And that's something that has to happen daily. If you've never done that before, of saying, God, I want my heart to align with yours. I want to be a Christian. I want to be connected to you. I've messed up at times with my priorities. Do this. Say that to him, and he'll, he'll work through you. He'll, he'll communicate with you. He'll forgive you of you choosing your own priorities over his, forgiving you of your wrongs. By you saying that, that's you becoming a Christian. That's you starting a walk with God. So you can say that with me in a second uh, in a prayer. Uh, but maybe you've done that before. Maybe you just need to refocus your, your priorities this week. For you, if that's you, I'm going to pray right now to have God make sure that our priorities are set on him and our heart is right. If you need help with that this week, you can pray with me right now. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, giving us some examples of priorities through Jesus. 
God, I just pray that as we deep clean ourselves for, for priorities, some of us for the first time are saying, God, we want to be aligned with you. We want our heart right to make sure that it is fully aligned with you. We want to live our priorities that uh, are intertwined with your priorities, that are intertwined with your scripture, with, with what it is that you want us to do in life. And then, God, uh, we pray that you have us figure out what those are. And then, God, some of us right now, we, we've, we're wrestling with this, this messiness, right? We have a lot of priorities. And, God, I just pray that you help us figure out which ones maybe we need to say yes to, which ones we need to say no to, and then which ones we can make sure that is a daily thing for us to be fulfilling our priorities that are aligned with you and intertwined with what you want. In your name we pray. Amen.